I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Idiots, welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance mostly by asking ignorant questions with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm your host, and I'm a fucking idiot. That's why we're here, because we're all idiots sometimes. We got to get answers to our idiot questions, and I'm not afraid to ask them. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Thanks for giving me a shot. Please hit that subscribe button. Leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps me. It helps other people find the podcast so they can get answers to their ignorant questions. It's a whole cycle. And thank you so, so, so much to those of you who have already left a rating and a review and who have subscribed. You are keeping me alive. Emotionally, mentally, some of you... Uh, are supporting me financially on Patreon. If you want to take a further step and support me in that way, wow, sorry, brain fart, uh, didn't have my Neurogum this evening because I'm recording in the evening. By the way, Neurogum, hot drop right here, getneuro.com slash JMS. You can get 15% off Neurogum. It's caffeinated gum with B vitamins and L-theanine so you get focused energy and people keep buying it. I'm getting a lot of people sending me messages telling me they're loving it. It is immensely helpful for focus. So check that out. It's it's keeping me on track. I would have had some tonight, but I should probably go to bed at some point. But anyway, yes, patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed if you want to financially support the podcast. Shout out, by the way, to my new patrons... Alana and John. That's right. We got another John in the house. What? Thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm, I'm excited to have you. You want to hear more than the free hour of every episode? Do you want bonus episodes that you can only hear on Patreon? More important than that, do you want to see clips of my stand-up comedy? Because I've pulled them from pretty much everywhere on my social media, on my YouTube, and you can only see clips of my stand-up on Patreon. I drop a clip every Friday. It is an endless surplus uh, for now. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if stand-up doesn't come back, it will come to a screeching halt eventually. But uh, there are plenty of clips to come, and you can only see them on Patreon. So for as little as a dollar a month, one dollar a month gets you the full-length episodes and the stand-up, and there are levels that go up from there. You want to get postcards from me? Ten dollars a month. You want to come to crappy hours twice a month? That's twenty-five dollars a month. But right now, because we're in COVID, I have lowered that bar temporarily to ten dollars a month. So get in there now and come hang out. We literally just sit around and chat, and it's a fucking cool time. It's like a little happy hour where I catch up with you guys. We have a good time, and more to come. And there are levels. Uh, not excuse me, not levels, but goals I have on the Patreon that if I reach, we up the amount of content for everybody and for the people who are paying for Patreon bonus content. So head over to patreon.com slash two. Oh my God, I almost said two filthy nerds. That's my other Patreon because that's my other podcast, which you should also check out if you're into nerd culture or uh, pop culture in general because right now I'm pulling apart fucking Bachelorette, which is not nerdy at all. To be honest, we are stalling. Uh, And putting in some crazy content to fill in while my co-host is out of town. So, anyway, 
patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed all one word no hashtag in the website <sighs> and I would appreciate having you uh, you can be a top tier level patron and get some fun merch and just be my fucking literal friend forever because you're the best uh like Gene and Kathy, that's what I'm doing. I'm naming those people. Uh, genuinely have become friends, by the way, with pretty much everyone on my Patreon. Uh, that's that's active. There's a couple silent, uh, you know, subscribers that I don't know that well, but I still appreciate them just as much. But it's been cool. It's fucking... I'm making friends all over the world and getting support from them. So thank you. Enough about me. Uh, before we get to the guest, really quick, want to drop a hot little tip for you guys get a squatty potty squattypotty.com use the code filthy20 to get 20% off it's a temporary code it won't last forever I cannot tell you how much better I'm shitting now that I have my own squatty potty I had been sneaking into my roommate Nicole's room to use hers but I can't always do that because she's like here and I finally got one oh, I use this 20% off code and oh shit literally and my boyfriend came out of the bathroom the other day and he's like wow this has changed the game. And look, this is TMI, but my boyfriend spends too much fucking time on the toilet. And now it's cutting his time in more than half. I still think there's something wrong with him, to be honest. But Squatty Potty is doing a lot of heavy lifting on his heavy droppings. Oh, and I have full-length shows coming up in November. Thanksgiving weekend, I'm coming back to Alaska. Holy shit. I made a joke about running for mayor and then boom, get a call from a venue like, hey, actually we're doing half capacity shows and we would love to have you back. So what the fuck? I'm spending Thanksgiving in Alaska. So Anchorage, stay tuned. Check out my social media at JMS Comedy to see exact times, locations. Those are TBA, but I am fucking excited and terrified that I'm going to be so rusty. So now I will be doing all my window spots in every spot I can get my hand on. Just trying to freshen up for my fucking... I can't bomb in my hometown. How fucking embarrassing. <laughs> Happy. I'm finally back on stage for an hour and I just eat shit in front of everyone I know. It won't happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, I fucking get crazy and do some crowd work. And honestly, I don't know. Just come out. Get a babysitter for your kids. It's Thanksgiving, so family's in town. Just fucking come party. All right. Enough about me. This episode is a fun one. We got a funsy. I am talking to the hilarious Tess Barker. You may know her from the Lady to Lady podcast. She's an incredible writer, amazing comedian, and she made a musical. And if you know me and you're close to me, aka in the Patreon, uh, <laughs> or just one of my friends, I have been making a musical. So I'm a musical nerd. This is shit I've always loved, but especially as someone who has been in the beginning stages of making a musical in the past year, this was a cool conversation for me. And she's just awesome. So it's a cool insight on creating a musical and how that works and, and what goes into it. And uh, I think you're going to love her. Ooh, I should have had the neuro gum. Uh, that yawn is not a reflection of the upcoming conversation you're about to listen to. So hopefully it didn't make you yawn. If it did, chug some coffee and enjoy this episode with Tess Barker. Hey, idiots. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed. I am here with my friend Tess Barker. You know her from Lady to Lady or uh, Britney's Graham podcast. Oh, my God. Um, or just wherever. you. I feel like you've written fucking a million things. You've done a million things. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, of course. I'm so excited because 
so many of my episodes have been a little bit heavier lately, which I love. Like, I'm like, let's talk about your mental health. What happened to you? <laughs> but I love having something that, first of all, is, is a topic I'm excited about, but just that's a little more lighthearted, which is what we're going to talk about. Um, musicals, mm -hmm. everyone. Um, I'm so, I'm so excited. So I just want to dig in to what your experience, because for background, everyone, I've been doing this on a few episodes, but I literally did. I'm so bad at booking my podcast that I was like, I'm just going to tweet and hopefully people, because it's such an open forum of like, I just need a topic, but what do my friends like that I don't know they like? And when you reached out to me and you were like, musicals and marathons, by the way, <laughs> which I feel like is a whole nother episode I would love to have you back for. But <laughs> when did your love for musicals start? Um, so I think I've, I don't even ever remember like getting turned on to musicals. I think they were just always in my life because I got it from my parents originally. I like I, yeah, we always, um, my mom, I think was in guys and dolls in high school and I'm not this old that like records were the main way that people listen to music when I was a kid, <laughs> but we did have a record player. That's so funny. You're like, it was more of like a hip hipster parent type thing than a necessity. I just want to clarify that. Um, I was raised by, by the original hipsters. Uh, but um, yeah, so I always, I mean, they were just always playing in my house, you know, like before there was YouTube or anything, you were just kind of subject to the whims of whatever your parents sat around. So oh, yeah, it's, I would not like the Eagles if it wasn't for my mom's alcoholism. 100%. Exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm in the same way with Credence. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, so we, they're always playing in our house. And then I'm from the suburbs of LA. So that was also always like, a very like special thing that we would do was go into the city and like put on a nice dress and I would paint my nails and we would go see plays at like the Amundsen. Oh my um, God. Amazing. Yeah. So I think that's what really got me into it early on too, is that's sort of my first recollection of doing something like fancy and special is like going into LA and, and seeing a play. Oh my God. I love that. I love that you were, I didn't realize you were from LA. That's or LA suburbs. That's amazing. I claim it. Um, yeah. <laughs> good for you. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, no, I was in, I, I lived in Southern Mississippi when I saw my first musical and it was like Biloxi Community Theater, which I'm, which was great to me, but I'm sure a far cry from the selection and availability of plays as someone who grew up adjacent to, you know, the city where everyone comes to perform. Oh, it was great. What musical did you see in Biloxi? Um, oh, West Side Story. Oh, perfect. Great. Which they were, I know it's like Southern Mississippi. They're like, perfect. A musical sort of about racism. Let's do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I was that was the moment. I must have been like maybe nine or 10 when I was like, oh my God, musicals. I've always loved them, but I'm sort of cultureless about them. Like I've seen an embarrassingly small amount and it's all the very, what I think musical lovers would consider almost hacky musicals where I'm like, Grease, <laughs> like, which mean, is an amazing musical. It's a beautiful musical. And it's like kind of a perfect show, honestly. Like it's very well structured. It's bop after bop. I mean, I think that's one thing that I love about musicals, especially coming from the comedy world where we're all so cynical and like too cool for school. Is, I like, know. If there's anything musicals are not, it's too cool for school. Like, you know, people still get horny for the new West Side adaptation. They, you know, I love, love it. I love that it's just like, yeah, that like it can be cheesy and you're like, that's why it's so great. Exactly. Or just very campy. Absolutely. Um, so did you start like from a young age, like participating in musicals? Yes. So not only did we listen to musicals and go to see shows a lot, but um, I, I really liked acting when I was a kid. Um, I did have like an agent and do the whole like 
Of course, I mean, honestly, you know. to me, it's it's like the idea that anyone were to live in the like LA, LA adjacent, if their kid were to express that, I would never want to like force my kid, like be a star. But if your kid's like, I want to act and you're right here, why would you not let them go for it? Like, sure. That's how my parents were. But looking back as someone who now knows what a pain in the ass it is to be an actor, I'm like, yeah. wow, that was really nice of my parents to cart my ass down to the city to like go try to get a Barbie commercial a couple times a week. God, I know that they're like, here, because that's how I would be as a parent. Like, here we go, another fucking audition. <laughs> yeah, it was the opposite of a stage mom. It was like, oh, God damn it. You got a call back? All right. I know. You're like, uh, are you sure this is what you want to do? All right. Fine. Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I tried to do like, you know, I auditioned for a lot of film and TV stuff, but then theater was like much more realistic and much more like accessible. So, yeah, yes. I got into community theater and, and, uh, community musicals and stuff at a very young age and that was you know I wasn't I wouldn't really say that I was a theater nerd because I also like was cool and partied and stuff but my whole childhood and teenage years I was always in a musical of some kind that's amazing do you remember what the first one you were in was oh that's a good question I mean probably Oliver I did several (laughs) Olivers I think I was you know when you're a kid you just keep playing orphans that's really like you're like Annie Oliver this is all we've got for you (laughs) beg for your life exactly yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love that like yeah that is the only way any playwright knew how to write children is that like uh they're an orphan and we'll just that we'll start with people love kids with dead parents there's it's true I the Olsen twins never had a mother in any of their movies and I don't know it's always like and their mom's just mysteriously dead and billboard dad or whatever but someone should look into that yeah yeah, it's like, that's the only way anyone knows how to write, like, childhood strife, I guess, is like, which, I mean, rightfully so. It's probably, it's a very stressful thing for a kid to not have a parent. It's a very stressful thing for a kid to not have a parent, and it's very fun as a kid to play an orphan. I mean, like, you get to have, like, smudgy dirt on your face. You get to have, like, kind of that tattered costume. I mean, it's very glamorous to be an orphan when you're a kid. It's so funny, yeah, that as a child to be, like, cosplaying as poor, and you're like, this is awesome. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, in a play. But if this was your life, you might, if there was a real Miss Hannigan, you wouldn't be like, look at my cartwheel. Exactly. Um, oh, speaking of Miss Hannigan, that was like my first big part. I played Miss Hannigan. You played Miss Hannigan? Yeah. Oh my God, when? Yeah. Where? Yeah. Ah. And that's probably in sixth grade. In sixth grade at my school, I played Miss Hannigan. And I think that's honestly, that is what really got me into comedy. Like that, I mean, I'm I not mean, even that role. I fucking crushed it. I fucking. <laughs> I yeah. mean, of course you I did. That was. Uh, what a dream role. No, that is always like I think of. Annie and I'm like I would love to play Miss Hannigan I would love to just go to like a small community theater and be like I I've stopped working to go be Miss Hannigan in Idaho or something but also then I'm like like even if you take out whatever lack of talent I have I just feel like typecasting already height I'm gonna be counted out they're gonna be like Miss Hannigan can't be the same size as the orphans (laughs) you just need to get some really high Miss Hannigan heels Oh my God. That what? would really help. Cause a lot of it's with like how she walks. It's a very like physical role. I mean, and it's so fun to play a drunk person. I mean, truly that I like, I don't even, I'm not into acting in general so much. Like I, once I kind of got into stand up and I've totally. you know, like, gone auditions and stuff, but 
I just don't really feel a passionate drive to be a working actor. I'm always like, it was, of course, it's like, it was a part I liked. Like, that's just gonna, they're going, Hollywood will hand me a part I like. But to, to get to play even like a side character on like a sitcom who's chronically drunk, like what a dream. Oh, to truly. To be a fucking disaster. Ah, that's amazing. Was that, was that one of your favorite roles you've played? probably yeah I mean that's something I mean I remember that being like very formative for me and like I got a lot of accolades for it you know like I would walk through the hallways and everyone would like say like we love you Miss Hannigan and like so <laughs> <laughs> uh but then in let's see in high school I played Ursula and Bye Bye Birdie that was really fun oh that's fun yeah because you know again like very I think I just realized I mean it was just me realizing that I was again a comedian and not an actor because I just liked anything where I could be like really spazzy and get a lot of attention and not actually like show any kind of real acting chops. Yeah, you're like, I don't want to show my range. I want to be an asshole on stage. Exactly. I want to slip and fall and have the audience lose their mind. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that's amazing. Um, did you ever get into the like professional or professional adjacent with theater acting? Um, not myself personally. I mean, I realized pretty early on that I was, I was probably a better writer than I am an actor. I mean, I, I love musicals. And, uh, so, I mean, we can get into this, but I ended up writing a musical. Yeah. That's what I was like. I want to yeah. get into it. I was going to bring it up either way, but I'm like, well, how do we, how will this segue? Um, this actually segues well. So yeah, when I went to school, I, the first place I went to college was Emerson college in Boston. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and then I had a lot of friends that went to a school called Boston conservatory, which mm. is like a very prestigious musical theater school so I had a lot of friends who were like serious actors who are still on Broadway and were like very 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 talented oh, I was getting drunk with a lot of those people I myself was not taking those classes uh <laughs> but in Boston I met my friend Brett who was a Boston Conservatory and just a genius piano player genius composer oh, uh yeah that. and I met him through another friend of mine who he was her roommate so uh, that was when we were in college and then cut to like 10 years later, he moved to New York. I mean, he just kind of right out of college became like a very successful music director. It was like directing stuff on Broadway. Wow. With, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so then like 10 years later, I was in New York. So I was like, let's meet up for a drink. And while we were drinking, we got this idea for a musical. <gasps> and I was like, I'm serious. I really want to write this musical with you. So then okay. like six months later, our mutual friend who we had met through got married and at her reception we were like seriously let's write that musical idea that we had amazing so the next day we meet up for a hike at Runyon Canyon and we start like talking out we're like hungover from the wedding and we're like talking out <laughs> <laughs> I love the hungover idea generation right we're just like maybe something will be such a spark that I'll stop having a headache <laughs> exactly you don't you almost like don't have enough room in your brain for like any other thoughts except the one yeah and it's like with. you're too just like you feel too shitty to be self-conscious about throwing out ideas too where you're just like I don't know totally. what about this where it's like I feel like for me that can be a big block where it's like oh is this gonna sound stupid are you gonna reject this where it's like oh the full writer's room like let me throw this out if it's shitty whatever we can move on I don't need to exactly yeah. exactly so yeah so we're walking and talking and and we come up with we're literally hiking on running cannon and we ended up coming up on that hike with what really was it did end up being like the whole story of our whole show. Oh so my we God. Get this idea amazing. for a musical and we finished the hike and we're so excited about this idea that he's like, I think we should write the first song right now. And I'm like, okay. 
And he was like, do you have a keyboard? And my boyfriend at the time had actually just bought a keyboard. And I was like, I do. I'm like, just come over and let's just fuck around. So we go over to my house and he starts fucking around on the keyboard. I start fucking around with lyrics. I mean, it was like out of a movie. Like we just immediately like clicked and had this crazy synergy. And so we just like went into this crazy creative zone. And it was like, he was supposed to go back to New York the next day. And we'd been working for like three hours and he called and delayed his flight. He's like, I have to stay here until we finish this song. Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) So it ended up being like 20 hours in my apartment. We (laughs) we like ordered dominoes, like our hair started getting frizzy. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with it. When you get in one of those zones, you're like, we can't stop. That's us to a T. Like we're, yeah, we have like more than anyone else I've ever collaborated with. We have this insane creative mania. Uh, so we write this duet that um, is still the last duet in our musical. And I mean, both of us knew, I mean, it's a really fucking good song. Like it's Dude, really that's good. such a good feeling. It's like when you're like, this is a bop. Like this is yeah. like, I'm, I am writing a musical with Jeffrey Baldinger and we've been working at like, we've sort of gone completely stagnant over oh amazing though yeah we did like a reading of it at the end of december and it, it was like very well received just the reading so we're like we by the end of next year of course 2020 has of course. fucked us over like let's get a staged rehearsal like let's make that our goal because we've we've never neither of us have done anything in this field we just both like music yes there, there has been you know there were a couple songs where it's like okay i'm not crazy we just wrote a fucking great fun song this it's is so cool like, you go, this is gonna be the song when someone goes have you seen this musical that their friends start singing you know yes, that they're exactly like, oh my god <laughs> oh exactly I- yeah so that's amazing me writing musical i love it <laughs> so uh so we finished this song and uh the next day he had already written a couple musicals that had been like produced in big theaters on, on the east Hell coast yeah. so he was going to hawaii to visit an investor from what this is like a fairy tale I swear to god so I mean yeah no I'm like oh my god (laughs) this is amazing I still can't believe I got to do this so uh he was going to Hawaii to visit this investor and he goes to Hawaii and he goes I just got back from California I think I have a new writing partner we just wrote this duet I want to play it for you on the piano he plays it for this investor guy the investor guy just starts sobbing oh my god (laughs) that's amazing but also my god <laughs> exactly but also so musical investor right? yes of course <laughs> and it's like that is the kind of person that it of course he's a musical investor exactly long made him start crying <laughs> and, yes. he's like, and he's like um you guys need to write this whole play uh i have a mansion in south carolina and i want to offer it up for you guys to, for you to use that <laughs> This is amazing. Yeah. He's like, I want to offer it up for you guys to use it as like a residency. And I want you guys to just go stay there and write the show at my mansion in South Carolina. And you're like, I guess. All right. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how I feel about mansions. uh, I guess we can make that happen. I don't know if I can be creative if I'm not suffering in my overheated apartment. Yeah. If I'm not in front of my like 1970s AC window unit. I don't know if juices will be flowing. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we of course take him up on the offer and uh so we wrote that song i think in like july and he wanted to give us the house for august so it was pretty quick it was like three weeks later we decided to go into total isolation uh we we moved into this mansion for an entire month and yeah and it was like in this tiny town in south carolina where there was literally only like a stoplight and nothing else open so it was like we literally had no other stimulus like it was like the 
our treat if we like finished a song would be like okay we, we're gonna go to walmart and get some groceries like that's the only place we that's ever the went only thing to do wow yeah. how yeah. was that because i've often thought like even with writing comedy stuff or like pilots i've never done it but i've, I've always been like if i could just get away <laughs> or lock oh, yeah. myself in a place for like just cancel everything give myself this amount of time it was life-changing. I mean, that's still because of this experience. Like now when I have something big to write, I do that. That's like, it changed my life. Like it was, I, again, like, I can't believe I got to do this. It was like this gorgeous mansion, like this oh turn of the century mansion, his music room that we wrote in, it just had mahogany walls everywhere and just priceless art hanging everywhere. And Amazing. a Steinway piano, which Brett what? wrote on. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I bought a mansion for other people to write musicals in. That's pretty much. This exists. I just send people there to create magic. Yes. <laughs> and so we didn't have internet. We didn't have TV. We kept our cell phones in our room. We had nothing distracting us. Amazing. So, and the mansion, both of our rooms, like we both had these like majestic suites. Like we had these huge master, we each had our own like huge master bedroom. And each room came with this really nice, comfy white robe. Oh my God. And so this is like we, a dream. it was like a dream. And so <laughs> we get to this place, we change into our white robes. We obviously like stock up on wine and uh, <laughs> we just went into like a state of, like you said, just like manic collaboration. And we, because we had nothing else going on, we would work for like these 18 hour stretches. We would wow. finish work at like seven o'clock in the morning. And, and then we would like drink wine and sit on rocking chairs outside and like kind of talk about what we just did for a few hours. Amazing. And sleep for like whatever, five hours, wake up and keep working. And we did that for a month. Wow. Yeah. And did you get, so, you got it like all done, like all squared away? That trip, I think we got like 70% of it done. And okay. We, we ended up coming back to the house uh, that Thanksgiving and that's when we finished the show. So we wrote the whole show in that house. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in isolation. And it was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. I mean, truly just one of the coolest experiences of my life. So yeah, after that, then we took it to New York. We did it as like a stage reading there, Amazing. Um, invited a bunch of people. And then from that, we got into something called the New York Musical Festival, which <gasps> is like, you put your show up off Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Congrats. Yeah. That's so Thanks. cool. Thanks. So yeah, it ran in New York for three weeks. And then from there, we got a bunch of like regional productions and it's since been done kind of like throughout the South and at a bunch of colleges. And oh, that's amazing. So with that process, like you, when you like do a festival, is that kind of also showcasing it for regional? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So then do people like pay you guys to like do the play? How did, or mm -hmm. they, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So now we just get, you know, royalties from it. And I mean, I always say like, plays are very cool intellectual property to have because I, I to me they're like the vacation rental of intellectual property because once you write them they're just kind of like a passive income Thing. yeah people just go oh we want to do this at our theater yeah we'll buy the stuff from you or whatever yeah yeah oh that's so fucking rad okay you obviously you have to tell me about the play yeah of course okay <laughs> so what is it called it's called Time Between Us, um, and it's a two-person show, and I think that's another thing that we're really proud of. It's very, we wrote it intentionally to be something that would be really easy to produce, so. That's actually, that's great, because I'm thinking of, like, the, the show that I'm writing, I'm very excited about, but there's definitely moments where I'm like, we're getting pretty carried away for people who have no really, like, foot in the door with the musical community, or, like, that I'm like, <laughs> 
all right, and then we're in hell, and we're going to have pyrotechnics. <laughs> it's like, or just like a red backdrop, and this person will also be playing this person, but like we can also picture it really big. Yeah, I mean, that just gives you flexibility. Like, if you have the money, do the pyrotechnics. If yeah, but that's also so smart to write a show that would be easy for other people to put up because that's going to be, you know, people are going to have limited resources, limited budget, limited people. So they're going to be like, okay, what is within our means of this small theater in the middle of nowhere or whatever? Exactly. And that was, I have to credit Brett with that idea because he was so, he, I was coming into this uh, like a fan of musicals, but I was not at all in the professional musical world. Yeah, but you're like 42nd Street, 800 people on stage. (laughs) A tap dancing roller skater, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I would be. And he was like, let's rein it in a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's two people. It's also this, the orchestra is really small. It's just piano cello. Great. Um, but it's, I mean, again, this is not me. His music is just, like, gorgeous. Like, I love the cello and I love the piano. And, like, it's just a beautiful score. Uh, oh. So, anyway, it's about, um, we kind of describe it as, like, Will and Grace meets the last five years. So it's about like a gay guy and a straight girl and um, it starts out with them like right out of art school, kind of like what they think they're going to do with their lives. And he's a photographer. So it's like snapshots of their life over 30 years. So you see them age over 30 years and like one of them goes, you know, kind of has a lot of professional success, but their personal life is shit. And the other one has a lot of personal success, but their professional life is is Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to turn into that music investor. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't even heard the songs. I'm like, oh my God, it sounds beautiful. <laughs> People oh. cry at the end of it. I mean, that's the other weird thing is like coming from comedy. It's such a weird experience. Cause it's also like, you know, when you're doing stand up, you're not observing yourself doing stand up. Yeah. You're just like so present in where you are. Exactly. And you so can't... yeah, you don't have time to get in your head about it. Right. Like you're just worried about your next joke. Whereas, like, it's a very um, out-of-control feeling to be in the audience of a show that you wrote because it's, like... My baby. Yeah, it's your baby, and you're super, like, aware of how the audience is feeling, and none of it is in your control. Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess it's, like, the closest it could come to stand-up is, like, if you wrote someone else's material and you were watching them perform it. Yes. Or, like, (laughs) watching someone perform, God, your material. Can you imagine, like... If oh. if someone wanted to buy like some you know a hugely famous comedian was like can I buy that bit from you and then watching them bomb at a theater 100%. with your bit or something you're like oh no a hundred percent and also like you know like anything that you write I, I think most people there's always going to be something that bugs you or like oh I could have done that better or whatever so like at yeah. a certain point, obviously you just have to say that is what it is but those moments when you're watching them are like so cringeworthy yeah like, just, like, like I'm sure. Especially the play where you could easily just go. I mean, I'm sure it happens, you know, with film and television as well, where you just go like, that's the line I went with. That is, because <laughs> it's, you know, once you come out of it and you're a few steps back, you're almost, you're as close as, to a, a, as close to a pure observer as you ever can be with your own stuff. You're always going to be tied to it. But yeah, it is interesting having to watch someone sing your song oh that's so crazy it's crazy but it's also like very very cool because I was so fortunate I mean we had like legit Broadway actors acting in it in the New York production and so to see someone that talented like do something that I wrote that's amazing one of the coolest experiences of my life like it was just I mean that really I mean because I know we all like like to make fun of actors and rightfully so but of course (laughs) (laughs) rightfully so (laughs) 
but what they do, like when they're good at what they do, it's like, okay, you really are bringing something to this text that I didn't even put in there. Like, Absolutely. bravo. It's like, I think we all know when we're making fun of actors, it's more the shitty ones, but. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's, it's so easy to go like, oh, you're an actor, you're playing pretend, and then you watch someone fucking nail a role, and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Me and Brad always say, like, that's our moment, like, good night, New York. Like, when an actress just, like, tears shit up, it's just like, fucking good night, New York. Like, you just yeah. fucking. <laughs> especially in a musical like how magical and how amazing that you got you got to write it but then also like to perform in any capacity I feel like as someone who loves musicals you just like at all to go oh my god my musicals in New York at all is like yes whoa what a like dream that most people are like but I would never really do that yes and then you're in this festival with like these amazing actors and it gets picked up and regional that's fucking incredible congrats how how many years ago was it that you wrote this um we wrote it 10 years ago oh my gosh yeah that's do you ever feel have you done any musical writing since have you ever thought about doing it again no I just recently talked to Brett we're like should we because it also was like I mean it's amazing having it now but like it was like actual childbirth writing it you know oh (laughs) yeah yeah where it's like it's painful and there's I don't know how it was for you guys but we went through so many iterations. We've gone through. We're not even done. But, like, of changing up, hitting things that you're like, actually, it would make more sense if the story went this way, but you've already done so much that you're like, I know we need to make this adjustment in this song or in this part, but it's like. <laughs> no, 100%. A hundred percent. And it's not like writing a screenplay where it's like, okay, that doesn't work. I need to rewrite that scene. It's like, oh, no. That if you had to rewrite part of a song, that whole song might be a wash or like- Yeah, that you're like, I can no longer use this song. And then you're like, I mean, we literally had one song that we like realized couldn't work, but then there were a couple of times where I was like, maybe we can shoehorn in that song. (laughs) Like I'm trying to like force it. I was like- (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. When you guys were writing songs, did you have a method or was it song by song as far as like melody first or lyrics first or- yeah, so I like Brett to write a little ahead of me. So like what we would do is kind of talk about kind of like what the song-ish needed to be, obviously from like a story point of view. Yeah. And maybe in that discussion, we would have a little bit of idea of like lyrically where it was going to go. Um, and so I would start to make like a word bank of lyrics that I thought I might want to use. Yeah. Um, and then I liked him to write like two or three bars. And then that would get, it, I like to have the like, okay, blah, 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 blah. And then I can like fill in the words with it. Fill in the words. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know how people write lyrics first. Like for me, I really like to have, yeah, the music yeah, go on top it's, of. Yeah. It's, it was the same for us. Cause Jeffrey, I'm saying this, like, We've done nothing. We've done a stage reading at the improv lab. That's huge. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, he sort of will come up with an idea and he is pretty good on piano and he just sort of runs away and comes up with stuff. And he's, his mom is a children's musician and he's been like a very musical adjacent in musical like person as well. So it's not like we're both clueless morons. Like, I guess we'll make one of those music shows, but- <laughs> Yeah, he definitely comes in with a couple bars of, oh, maybe something that sounds like this. And there is a lot of, like, riffing and finding rhymes or or whatever where I'm like, oh, I, I feel like that's where I better contribute is adding to what already exists. Yeah. And it's also, like, I'm sure, I don't know if you found this, but it's, like, 
the amount of lyrics you can actually fit in a song is really so small. Like I would always have so many ideas for like all these lyrics I wanted to do. And then it's actually like, you need to reduce it yes. so much that I think that's what is really tricky about writing lyrics is taking an idea and getting it down so simple, which I think oh, is I mean, similar to comedy. Absolutely. But it's like magic when someone can, I mean, that's, I think why so many people with musicals, but also just songs in general, when a song really pulls at your heartstrings, because it's like when someone's able to capture this complex feeling in like 16 words or something, you're like, I don't, or just a sentence, you're like, how did you sum up my entire broken heart with? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I had the same thing, almost to the point where there's, there's moments where I try to like, if we just say the words really fast, like I'll be like, and it's like, no, that's your, you're literally, it's like trying to cram a dick into a place it can't fit. And just it's like, yeah, come to, like, on. It's a dick in your ear pretty much. Yeah, yeah. that it's yeah. like, no, we can make it work. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever do a version where you played a part? Or was no. it always just written? It was always just written. Brett played the piano in the New York production, uh, but I don't. I mean, like the songs in my musical are very challenging to sing. Like I don't have anywhere near the vocal chops to, to That's- play the part. How fun to actually get someone to to hit them because it's one thing when you're writing it, I feel like to have the idea of what you're going for and you're like, I can kind of I can hit the note kind of like you you understand what it's supposed to sound like, but then to hear someone who is just vocally trained and can hit those like crazy just I don't know notes and and different things like that that must be. Oh, totally. I mean, that was super cool. Cause yeah, obviously like when we were writing it, uh, I mean, Brett's a music director, so he has like perfect pitch and he would always like sing it for the demo. But yeah. the first time we heard it with like a, uh, with two professional actors doing it, it was like seeing it in color for the first time. It was really? just like, oh shit. Wow. Did you cry? Yeah. I've cried so many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I cry when the wind blows, but like, yeah. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Have and you- what really made me cry, honestly, was the first time I heard it with cello because that's when I really like just got so horny for cello like it is <laughs> such a like heartbreakingly beautiful instrument that we oh, had all yeah. written on the piano and then uh Brett did all the orchestrations and everything so I didn't I couldn't really hear how it was gonna sound until I heard you know until I actually there was a cellist there and the first time I heard it with that it just added this dimension to it that was just like oh Whoa. my god I mean I can't even imagine what that must feel like to just hear your own songs taken to this like next emotional level yeah it was awesome um so yes, would have, you describe so go ahead oh and then let's see I have written plays I, I have a play that um okay that like is licensed uh for like high school and colleges that's not a musical that I wrote by myself so. um not to brag that's fucking amazing what's it called <laughs> that's called showdown at palm tree pines and <laughs> it is it takes place at a retirement community because when i was in high school i always like playing old people so i was like i'm just gonna write a play that's all old people yes that's my favorite i i played a grandma in like my senior year there was like a spring play that was extremely dramatic but what i was, was it do you remember oh it was um the effect of gamma rays on man on the moon marigolds oh, okay it's very obscure um they're like one of the every year some senior in drama gets to pick and direct a spring play so we do like one big musical and then there's this like smaller play and it's about this like i think it's it was like about a schizophrenic mother who was losing her mind and there was this part with a grandma i had no speaking parts it literally was just like 
I didn't take the audition seriously. Not that I would have gotten anything, but I'm pretty sure I did a, I did a very, not only did I do a comedic monologue, I literally did, um, the Chris Farley, Matt Foley, you're living in a van down by the way. <laughs> I, so I was like, I don't know what this plays about. I'm going to do this as a monologue. <laughs> um, and then they made us all walk like an old person. They're like, now everyone just go across the stage. And so my, my friend's like, I'm making you the grandma. I'm like, good. The part that doesn't speak, I deserve that in a drama where I came with an SNL sketch as my <laughs> monologue. That's fair. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it, it was so, such jackassery because it's a super serious play and there's just one scene where I just walk out. But because it was like a small school and I was like friends with everybody and the, our costume budget was nothing. So what should have been a little old lady wig looked like this fucking like Albert Einstein crazy hair. <laughs> and so I walked out and people just started like the crowd went crazy laughing and it was not supposed to be <laughs> this funny moment it was just like <laughs> oh no they're all laughing because I look like a fucking crazy person I'm sure and, you love that though oh no yeah no but my thing was like I was trying not to crack up because I was like oh I've just ruined there's like a woman my friend is playing this character having a breakdown screaming at her daughter and out comes grandma and like people are just laughing and I was like well what do you it's <laughs> But I love that you did old people. I mean, I just think of like Golden Girls and like any type of. That's amazing. And um, how long did it take you to write that? I assume that was not in a South Carolina mansion. No, I wrote that at home in Los Angeles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That didn't take me as long at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I wrote that in like a few weeks. Yeah. And then I went back and forth like the licensing company and did like a few rewrites for them. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't oh, okay. nearly as laborious. Yeah. Yeah. Time between us. I mean, by the time it got, I mean, cause we did, I think we did three stage readings in New York before. Okay. Festival. So it was a pretty long, I think we were writing for like a year and a half or two. Okay. Years. I was going to ask yeah. how long before you like got it on its feet. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Would you, I mean, I know like you said, you talked with your friend and you're like, yeah, but like, would you ever write yeah. another musical? I think I would, especially like, it's, it's funny because especially recently, I don't know about you, but I find musicals or something like in stressful times, like right after Trump got elected, all I could listen to is musicals. Yeah. That it's, I need think, things that like, check me out that I can almost like childhood comforts of, I don't have to think about the world. And I think a musical does, or even, I mean, there are like more serious musicals that at least like can add music to a situation but oh yeah and even sad musicals make me happy I mean Les Rob makes me super happy I love <laughs> in rent when they talk about AIDS you know what I mean like <laughs> like they're all dying oh thank god I so turned good off. yeah <laughs> um so yeah I've really been like especially like since the pandemic like I've been in this like huge Sondheim kick uh and so it's got me like kind of like in the mood to like in the mood to, yeah I started yeah. watching a few and I'm like oh I should you should probably like pick back up and at least work on the one I have started. Yes. How What's do you yours about? Oh my God. It's, I need to have a better elevator pitch for it, but it's extremely dark, but it's about two kids whose parents die on Christmas and they go to hell, but they find out Satan is actually their father and he's also Santa Claus. <laughs> and they're trying to get back to, they, they have to like try to recover their souls within 24 hours and they can get out of hell it's but it opens on I mean for sure if it ever has any type of fandom it's gonna be a cult following I mean it opens on 
I shouldn't laugh at this. It opens on like violent domestic abuse with a song, but the song's very like, do, 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 do. like <laughs> it's, I, it's like something that's probably cancelable, cancelable uh, in the eyes of some, but it's very like South Parky dark humor. I love it. Um. So yeah, it's the but then it focuses on these two children going through hell and they go to purgatory where their mom is because it's like the dad is it all stems from their dad being this gambler who owes like money to the mob and he murders his family over like two hundred dollars like it's an absurdly small amount of money that he just like gets his family killed over and then because he like sells his soul to the devil it's a whole thing is that your dog? Of course. Yeah, sorry. What's your dog's name? What two? Buddy and Garth. Quiet. Buddy and Garth. They're trying to protect me from the mailman right now. We need the mail. We need the post office, guys. Quiet. Save the mailman. <laughs> and it's like, do you understand the implications of your behaviors, dogs? We need to support our postal workers. It's totally, it's fine. Sorry. So if, if you want to go grab them or whatever, you can, but. My listeners are used to being accosted by the animals here. That they've just become an ongoing. Like at this, I've. I mean, it's pure laziness on my point, probably. I've stopped even cutting it out. Okay, cool. Oh hi. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. It was just my wine delivery. Don't worry, guys. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's an essential worker. Exactly. Like, that's, <laughs> The fuel behind all of these podcasts is that it's like, this needs to happen. Um, oh, what was I going to ask? Oh, how do you feel about film adaptations of musicals? Oh, um, I mean, I think it depends, but for the most part, I, I'm super excited about them. I, I mean, mean, yeah, because it makes them more accessible. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, uh, I'm trying to, I mean, like, I think Chicago was such a fun movie. It was so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to think. Some of them are, like, a huge flop. I thought the Rent movie kind of sucked. Yeah, it's like some of them can't do justice to how good the musical is live. I think that's just... But Chicago is, like, I saw the movie before I saw the musical in theater, and then I was like, I actually liked the movie better. And I thought in Chicago, they did a really good job of, like, maintaining the, the spirit of the stage play but like adapting it adequately for a movie. Like you got to go into her, like her psyche and you know, they really yeah. used the medium while still like, it was still Chicago. Yes. Where it's like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what I've seen recently that. <laughs> Sorry, my chihuahua. You're sitting on my lap, come here. So funny. <laughs> um, did you see Jersey Boys? I did not. Oh my I God. I thought that was chihuahua. a really good. Garth. So cute. No. <laughs> um, that was a good adaptation. I thought so. Yeah, I thought it was fun. And I mean, like, that's a jukebox musical, right? Which is kind of controversial, but like, I'm so not like uh, conceited about that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, why, why not have um, a story around songs you already love to sing and like that you, it's, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm with you on that. You know what I liked that I didn't think I would. Did you watch Hamilton on Disney plus? Yes. I'm a huge Hamilton nerd. I fucking loved it. I actually, I hadn't seen it. I know everyone's like talked about, it, but I had never seen it. And I was like, Oh, thank God. But I've seen a few on stage productions of musicals where it's like filmed in the theater instead of adapted for a movie. And I was kind of like, Oh, this might be pretty rough, but I was like, Oh, they, 
kind of nailed it, I thought. They did a great job. I mean, you, I, I felt like I was, like, in the theater watching it, which I think is, like, ideal. Yeah, I thought that was really, really well filmed. And, like, how was it? Were you familiar with the soundtrack prior to Honestly, no. So I was, like, and I, because everyone was so into it, and I had roommates that would listen to it, but I just, I, I was on the fence about, like, maybe I should just get to know the soundtrack, because it obviously is a great soundtrack. Everyone loves it. But then I was, like, I kind of want to have the initial experience of, hearing it for the first time which there's pros and cons especially with that because there's so much packed into all the songs exactly that it might have been better to kind of get a like oh I already know this song and I get to see it song but what I did enjoy was we had the closed captioning on oh okay yeah that <laughs> and I feel I'm like sure. there's so much if I just watched that live for the first time and had never heard the music like there's so much detail packed into some of those songs you could easily miss. And I was like, oh, this is great because I'm absorbing it in two ways. I think that's a great tip because I, a lot of people who told me that they didn't like Hamilton, you know, had no exposure to it previously, saw it live and were like, I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, yeah, because part of the brilliance of the show is like every lyric works on eight different levels and it's just so smart and so dense. And it's just like, yes, he's, yeah. I mean, it's just an it's almost like she's smart for its own good, but yeah, I, I like the idea of watching it with close captioning. Yeah. Cause it was just like, you know, with all the rapping and like quick lyrics, there's so much I could have missed. And I feel like it still would have been okay, but I feel like really being in tune with everything that was going on, I was like, oh, I am invested in this. Yes. And and that made me like, why don't people write more history musicals? But it's it's like, well, yes, someone has to be driven to write them. Like, yeah, like, maybe Lin Manuel will read another history book and he'll right. Just read one more history book. <laughs> Give us the. I thought it was funny watching. Um, I don't even remember. I forget the actor's name, even though he's like an incredible Broadway person. The guy who played King George. Oh, he's um, so good. Um, but it was guy? interesting seeing him in HD, like spitting while he sang, and I'm like, that's. <laughs> he can't love that. He can't be watching and going. I mean, not that I would never watch myself back on anything because it pains me deeply to like. I'm like, I just want, I don't ever want to see it. It's out there. Ugh. Totally. But like, I've been to watch yourself in this like critically acclaimed film just sort of like, and I was like, I, maybe it was a character choice. Uh, yeah, but it, or maybe it was just really hard to sing in that costume. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's gotta be like, well, that's out there forever now. But it, it's also like, yeah, you're fine. You're, although I heard that initially, those actors were getting fucked on money. Really? Like I heard there was like a whole, God, I wish I had the verbiage for it. I talked to someone who was in the Broadway world and has friends who are a part of it that like, they weren't like when the, the, they're supposed to get like a certain percentage as like equity actors yeah. and, and Hamilton or like someone at the top wasn't signing off on that. I'm very surprised that this isn't, if this is true, that it's not, been like a bigger thing but yeah um like there's some sort of one percent shares type thing that actors should get and they were in like negotiations and refusing to do it so there's been a lot of people who didn't think that Burr's performance was that great in the movie and from what I heard on the well that's what I think I think that's my he's my favorite I think his voice is like actual butter like I think he nails it but someone I know who is like knows someone in the production or something was like oh yeah they he was like refusing 
to go on if they didn't like make this concession for the entire cast and, and production crew that it was like some sort of like he was like I'm not performing unless you do this and so it was like right in this moment of like this tension and being pissed and then he's like okay here we but whoa drama I wish I had the better wording and like could actually deliver the story because now I'm just remembering that I had that conversation when I could have adequately prepared for this podcast by being like did you know this oh my god <laughs> um if you were going to be in a musical any musical do you have like a dream role that you would love Ooh. to if if abilities or typecasting even aside like if there's just a role that you love mm. I mean if I could give myself let's see that's such a good question I mean the lead in Next to Normal would be a really fun role. Do you oh know that gosh. show? I don't know that show. Now I have to watch it or find it. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, I, I want to say that was, that's about a show that's about like 10 years old. And okay. It's a, it's a small cast show about, um, essentially about a, a couple where the wife is like bipolar and on all these meds. And uh, Oh my it's God, what like, a fun role to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like really contingent on how well you act it. It's like one of those things where you just kind of ha have to act the shit out of it. It has really fun songs. Oh my God, I love that. That would be fun. And I'm obsessed with the song Ladies Who Lunch uh, from Company. Company is one of my favorite shows of all time. Yes. So, yeah, I would love to sing that. Yeah, probably those two would be my, the first things that come to mind. Or um, I don't like the whole show of Wicked, but if I could have the vocal ability to sing Defying Gravity correctly, I feel like. Oh my God. That's yeah. That's all I would need in life. <laughs> that, I mean, oh, that would be incredible. What a dream. Did you see Wicked? Um, I, I like, I, I've seen like bootlegged YouTube versions. Like it's so <laughs> ghetto. Uh, no, it was like on my list of, I just, it honestly comes down more to, I'm not good with like self-care and doing things I enjoy. So of course, just this year, I was like, you know what? I'm, I don't need to live in such scarcity financially. Like I'm not killing it, but I'm fine. Right. I can treat myself. I'm going to start going to plays. And that was like on my list of like, when that comes back, I'm going to go. And now, you know, there's nothing. Now um, we might be talking about a dead art form. So <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't even want to joke about that. But uh, I know, but I knew that I know the music from it too, that it's like, I got, that's one where I got to know the music just from musical friends before I even like ventured into watching it but i, I mean like, popular is such popular, a fun song I'm, say. I'm like that's the song popular. i want to say yeah i agree yes <laughs> ah yeah such a fun man what are your oh also before you know the world took a giant shit and the u.s shit on it even harder and now life is closed down were you going to see musicals regularly still yeah 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 i try to see pretty much anything that i can get my hands on um we got, Barbara Gray and I actually, when Hamilton was in LA, we got season tickets together for the Pantages because it worked out that it was like cheaper to get a season ticket than to get a single ticket to Hamilton. Oh my God, that makes so much sense, but like is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but it was like amazing because we would have these like theater dates every like six weeks and we got to see all these shows that I never would have like gone to see, but um, oh God. like the Bodyguard musical was one of the most fun times I've ever had in the theater. Like, really? It was, it so did not take itself seriously. Like, it leaned into the camp so hard. <laughs> I love that. 
the audience was just having so much fun by the end like the um Whitney Houston character comes out on a giant platform and it's like so camp she sings I will always love you from this like huge giant pedestal <laughs> and like everyone like everyone was like just lost our minds we were like screaming and hollering people were standing up and clapping and like that's amazing <laughs> fuck I love that I was wanting to do I was like maybe I'll get a season pass oh my god if it ever comes back I want to come with you guys please do we I'm have so much fun hurting no, come with us come with us we get a drink at the fo frolic room it's like so much fun um I love and then that. last time I was in New York I saw the share show oh which like talk about like a jukebox musical that show was so fun and That's amazing. so well done and I'm obsessed with Cher too so it was just like checking so many boxes but uh, oh I mean she's incredible who isn't exactly the last musical I saw was nine to five the Dolly yes Park. <laughs> I saw it in London because I was like doing some shows over in Europe and then like the night before I flew back to the states I went it was a ridiculous musical but like you have to love it because it's got Dolly Parton music in it and stuff. Exactly. I mean it was Standing on its own feet, I'd be like, I could have, this wasn't amazing, but it had, um, what is his, Hoffman? Um, Dustin Hoffman? Dustin Hoffman was playing her boss in it. What? That's so yeah. fun! And it was, it was very fun. And it happened to have this, the girl who was playing kind of the Dolly Parton character, I had seen two years before when I toured Europe, I went, I was in Toot Toot, but like, uh, I went and saw Kinky Boots. I got like cheap daytime matinee tickets. I was like, I'm going to see Kinky Boots on London. And she played this really fun, kooky Lauren character. And I'm so out of touch with like theater culture. Like I, I love musicals, but there's people who just really know it and they're in it. And it felt really cool to be like, I know that actress. I never know theater actresses. And I know her and I liked her in the last play and I like her in this one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm obsessed with Dolly. So getting to just see Dolly music on the... So wait, is there other Dolly music besides 9 to 5? And I haven't it was seen 9 to 5. There was, God, fuck, I can't. There was one other song. Oh, it's a newer song of hers, like on one of her later albums called Backwoods Barbie. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they sing that. And then there was just a couple, I think, original musical pieces. But it opened with a video from Dolly, like being like, oh my God, I can't believe we're in London. And she says, she makes a joke about, the, she's like, I love the queen. I know there's going to be lots of queens at this show. Like, yes. And I was like, oh, she's the best. The true best. The so true I'm best. Like, well, if the last musical I got to see was Dolly Parton involved, I'm fine with that. And yeah. Dustin Hoffman. I mean, I think that's such the great thing about theater too. And again, like one thing that I love about stand-up is I just love live performance. I mean, it's so irreplaceable and it has an energy that is just so special. And yeah, fun. you're like part of it. Like you feel it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so to see an actor like Dustin Hoffman, I mean, that's like, every time I go to New York, I feel like I have to see something, because it's like, I, I you know, I, actually, this was in LA, I got to see Kathleen Turner, not in a musical, but she was in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh my god. And it's like, you've seen Kathleen Turner act on TV and in movies, but like, seeing someone that's that good of an actor perform a role like that live is wow. like, a spiritual experience, you know? Oh, I mean, I can only imagine, that's... Yeah, I didn't even like realize he was in it when we got the tickets and then we're looking at the like playbook and stuff, playbill, whatever, I'm fucking an idiot. But, and I was like, no way. And then it was a thing where, cause I'm a fucking cynic. And I'm like, is this gonna be a thing where they like plugged him in? Like that was my logic instead of going, <laughs> how cool do you get to see this big actor? I'm like, he's in a musical? Like he's really old, is this gonna be? But he was great. He is <laughs> so fucking old, but like, 
Like I was like, he is holding on by a thread here, but (laughs) like literally I was like, is he alive? Is he on puppet strings? I don't know, but it's great. I'm loving it. Okay, so not a ringing endorsement for Dustin Hoffman, but. (laughs) No, I mean, he's so great, but I was like, it was one of those, you go like Dustin Hoffman and I'm picturing like the Dustin Hoffman I think a lot of us would be picturing, which is silly because. Like the graduate or Tootsie, like it seems like that's always how he should look. Yeah, and he's like skinny and like, he just seemed frail. (laughs) But he, but like, on appearance, but then he brought this energy that I was like, oh, okay. He's just fucking skinny. Like, it's fine. <laughs> he, it's not like he was like, oh, I can't do my part, you know? <laughs> and getting to see him play this, like, sleaze ball was, like, just so, I mean, great. It was great. It doesn't happen, you know? Oh, God. I love that movie. Love Dolly. Love it all. <laughs> yeah. And it was great. I was like, oh, it was cool to see as a play. What's the last musical you saw before? Oh, good question. Life. Uh, it might be the share show. Have I seen oh. anything in my life? It might be the share show. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, I feel like I asked all the questions. Um, is there anything else? Any musicals you don't like? Maybe even like popular ones that you're like, mm, I'm not crazy about it. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, what's <laughs> a bad musical is the King and I. That move that show sucks. The King and I. Yeah, uh, that I was- saw the movie when I was younger, because, and I just, I wasn't moved by it. No, it's actually quite terrible. I mean, that was part of uh, the season that Babs and I had all those tickets to. There was a king, a production of The King and I, and like they did. I will say the costumes were good. Like the costumes were. <laughs> They were cool. So I was like, okay, I'll sit here and look it's at the It's a costumes. good era type thing to get some, like, fun costume in. Exactly. But, I mean, it's a pretty racist show. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's so long. And I'm like, yeah. And then it's just, like, the whole concept is, like, I don't even remember. Isn't she, like, one of someone's wives or, like, a king? She, he has multiple wives. She comes in to tutor the kid. He has multiple wives, and then they fall in love. And it's like, um, oh yeah, I'm sure he's gonna fall in love with 800 more people. Like, exactly. Fuck I'm just well, bare about that. Whole just time. as a show, it's just not good. Like, you know, a musical. Like, right before intermission, you should have a big fucking number. The last number of the show should be a big fucking number. Not the King and I. No, it's like here's the kind of like low stakes, shitty melody number, and then they had a book scene, and then intermission. Ew. Yeah, it's it's just a really boring, bad show. Yeah, I think you're that's like, this. Like, it's like <laughs> you want people to leave it in our mission. It feels like yeah, fuck. And then that's such a funny thing about, I think season tickets to any type of theater where it's like, there's gonna be shows you're excited about, and then for me, it's like, I'm so fucking cheap about myself that it would be like, I don't even think I want to see this, but I have the tickets, so I'm going. Like, I will say, for the most part, you would probably be pleasantly surprised. It's I'm probably, sure. Yeah, like it's, I don't, but again, like I just like musicals so much that's like literally if they made the phone book a musical, I'd probably be down to watch it. But of um, course. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, most of them are pretty cool. I mean, I also, I think, I think it's kind of fun about musicals is usually when they're shitty, that's also really fun to watch. Oh, yeah, it's so funny to just be like, <laughs> yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're like, someone wrote this and then was like, let's put it on stage. And exactly. people got on board with it. <laughs> yeah like who doesn't love a train wreck you know I mean oh they're so fun to watch I mean it's just like it's like watching when comics bomb and you're like yeah be here for this but if they were singing while they were bombing you'd be able to have a lot more fun oh absolutely (laughs) 
That's why anytime I feel myself bombing, I just turn it into a song. And like, this is part of the plan. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, thank you for enlightening me about your um, magical musical experience. I cannot believe that majestic story about a musical you wrote coming to life. And it really does sound like a fairy tale. They're like, an investor in Hawaii was like, take my mansion. Yeah, it's like, I don't even know how to give people advice on how to write a musical, because I'm like, for me, uh, we just wrote it, and then an investor put us in a mansion, and then... <laughs> well, it just is one of those things where, like, you happen to be friends with someone who was already in that world. Yeah. And so you just kind of got to come in, which is great and how it works out for a lot of people, but it is interesting, yeah, being in that position of, like, yeah, I don't really know what advice to give you. Just be lucky. I... Yeah, just, yeah, get lucky, but that's, <laughs> it's so true that, like, and it's good to have that self-awareness of like, that's so much of entertainment is like, mm -hmm. you can be so hardworking, you can be incredibly talented. And sometimes it's like, not until this stroke of the right person coming along, the right person seeing you at the right time. It's sad that like, pe there's so many people who go completely like, almost under the radar unnoticed because some industry bigwig hasn't gone, oh, who's that? You know, like they just 100%. haven't been in the room. Um, in the room where it happens. Yes. In the room where it happens. <laughs> where it happens. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's why with any type of artistic endeavor, you have to just enjoy doing it because- 100%. Yeah. Because I mean, like the rain cloud version of out looking at it is like, that person might never be in the room to see you. And maybe you'll only get as far as you can work yourself towards. But like, if you enjoy that, then that should be okay. But also if you're working hard and creating- who knows, you might end up in that situation. Yeah, I mean, we also like the flip side of it is we none of that would have ever happened if we hadn't like followed through on this idea and actually like met up and like talked about it and then proceeded to go. Oh, you know, yeah. it's, like, it's also like, I it do, I'm a big believer in like actually following through on shit. Like there's so much to be said about just finishing an idea. It's yes. Just looking at like films that come out or television shows that it's like more than half the battle is actually creating the project. Like, yes. Cause how many times do we go, oh, wouldn't this be a funny idea for a show or a bit? And then you're just like, and that's all I did for it. Anyway. Yeah. Well, because it's like, no, who wants to sit through the shitty process of like actually having to like work through something? That's a yeah. nightmare. And having to like critique and go, actually, this part's not that good. Uh, a rewrite. And you're like, you want it to be done. Yeah. We like, had, um, there's a runner named Alexi Pappas, who's like a Olympic runner who we had on nice. Lady to Lady. And she gave like such good advice. She was like, when you set a goal, once you do, once you set that goal, you have to stick with it. She's like, you can't decide once you're in the pressure cooker to get out because you're going to want to. So you have to tell yourself that once you're in the pressure cooker, you're going to hang out until you see it through to completion. And that really stuck with me because it's like, wow. it's so easy for your brain to trick you in. Like when you get to the hard part, be like, ah, this wasn't that good of an idea anyway. Probably, why am I doing No one's actually going to read this, you know, but yeah. it's like, no, that's the pressure cooker brain. You just got to sit there and do it anyway fuck you're so right i love that's great advice um shit well on that note you mentioned your <laughs> podcast where can people find you yeah so i have a podcast called lady to lady uh it's which amazing. is super fun it's me barbara gray and brandy posey and we always have another female comic or female comedy writer on every week uh and then you can check out my podcast britney's gram which is on hiatus right now but pretty interesting things happened over the last couple of years on that podcast if you want to I mean <laughs> truly I was actually in I was in Malibu last night uh my boyfriend has a 
a friend who has like this incredible house in Malibu and she invited us over for like socially distant pool hang. And I was like, oh yeah, of course, a thousand percent. But like I was in, I was literally, this is so cartoonish. I was in a hot tub with one of my friends and I was like, we're not far from Brittany. (laughs) I don't know where she is, but I feel like we're close enough. We could go get her. We Someone needs to. I mean, I mean, my gosh. Uh, Yeah. You guys have done, uh, that's a whole other podcast. That is your (laughs) podcast. But like when people bring up the free Britney shit, I'm always like, okay, I know a couple people who are sort of at the forefront of that and they have a really great podcast about it. (laughs) I mean, it's just, ah, there's no time to talk about it, but that, the whole Britney shit is fucking crazy. That's its own several 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 cans of worms <laughs> yes but everyone if you want to go down those cans of worms check out their podcast. and then i'm testify barker on twitter and instagram i don't post that much on instagram but if you want to follow me there yeah i mean she's and you're very funny on twitter so it's a great funny twitter follow and i know um for me personally i can always use more funny people in my twitter timeline absolutely because um, i'm like <laughs> some people are a little too serious and it's making me sad <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. Yay. All right. Bye, everybody. There you have it. The incredible Tess Barker. Go out, find a musical investor, have them put you in a South Carolina mansion and make your musical. God, I fucking can't wait for theater to come back. I want to go to Pantages. I want to see musicals. (sighs) Wear your fucking masks, you guys, so that theaters can come back. I thought about trying to get a residency at theater in my hometown in Alaska uh, just to like work out an hour the way I would do at Edinburgh, but in Anchorage. I wonder if they'd let me do it. (laughs) Probably not. It may not even be back ever or by then. It'll be back eventually, right? Oh God, I need theater to come back. Okay. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If uh, this is your first time listening, maybe this episode wasn't for you. Please, please do me a solid. Check out a few more episodes. Look for some topics that might be of more interest to you. It's such a wide variety of me learning about different things. So, you know, not every podcast episode is going to be for everyone. And I do appreciate you giving me the shot either way. And if you did like it, please subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review, share it with your friends because everyone's a little bit ignorant sometimes. Big, big thank you to John, Eric, Jean, Greg, Kathy, Terry, exclusive members of the League of Extraordinary Idiots on Patreon. You keep these episodes flowing and keep me sane. Couldn't do it without you. If you want to join the League of Extraordinary Idiots and be part of uh, our cool monthly hangouts, bi-monthly hangouts, which means twice monthly. Is that what it means? Do I say bi-weekly? So that means every other week. Or do I say bi-monthly? That means twice a month. Whichever one, two times a month. You can get postcards from me at $10 a a month, but also for a dollar a month, you're getting full-length episodes. I don't post anything past an hour on the regular feed anymore full-length interviews and bonus episodes and clips of my stand-up that you cannot see anywhere else you get to see everything before it's out and that includes uh fully polished clips but also workout bits i i'm gonna share audio clips of like premises i'm working on and and talk through what i'm changing and you can even see some jokes evolve throughout these clips yeah so if you like stand-up patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed there's a link in the show notes follow ignorance is blessed at ignorance is blessed on instagram to see faces to go with all the voices you're hearing on this podcast and please
please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They are just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. You have additional questions for one of my guests? Do you want to suggest a guest? Easiest way to do that won't cost you a dime or even a dollar. There's a Facebook group. Look up Ignorance's hashtag Blessed Idiots on Facebook. Join. Post about who you want to hear. Post questions uh, if you have follow-up questions for guests. Also, set on the notifications and you will get notifications from me about what guests we have coming up. And you can ask your questions and I will ask them to the guests. What? What the fuck? Follow me everywhere at JMS Comedy. If you're in Alaska during Thanksgiving, Godspeed, but uh, come see me. I'll be in Anchorage. I'll be in the Valley. I may be a few other places. Uh, I may just go get high in a hot tub in Kirkwood. I haven't fully decided, but I am very excited to go back to my hometown and see some of my friends and a few of my enemies. I don't think I have enemies. Do I have enemies? Can someone please tell me if you're my enemy? I guess they wouldn't be listening. Not to this part. Does anyone know if I have an enemy? Does someone think of me as their enemy? Oh, God, I hope not. I need to make amends. What did I do? Tell me. All right. I'm spiraling. I need to edit this podcast. Listen. Thank you for your suggestions. Please keep asking questions. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Uh, Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.